0: Love, talk, radio. Good evening everybody and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we are breaking down the weekend that was at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Kevin Harvick was your winner. He held off Denny Hamlin in the closing stages of the event to get the, to victory lane. The number call, 917-889-8280. That's the number here tonight on Talk Circles, whenever you want to discuss anything from the weekend in New Hampshire. It was a wild weekend. We had a little bit of a, of a um, extracurricular activities in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. We'll get to that a little bit later. Also, unfortunately, we have a little bit of sad news out of the Xfinity Series as well, as crew chief Nick Harrison passed away Sunday morning in his sleep after crew chiefing uh, the Justin Haley car to a 13th place finish On Saturday uh, Passed away in his sleep on Sunday We'll discuss him a little bit as well And we'll, again we'll take your phone calls It's 917-889-8280 It's the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301 Kevin Harvick's 46th career victory The first of 2019 And, and the first for Stuart Haas Racing Which was a team that has uh, Got off to a really good start Last year They were they were strong as could be This year, um, they seem to be taking a little bit of a step back, but Harvick was able to, you know, he didn't have the best race car there, but he was able to get the track position towards the end of the race and hold off Denny Hamlin and win his 46th career race at New Hampshire. I thought it was a great finish. I thought it was a great race overall. Philip Matthew, what were your thoughts on Harvick's first win of the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been discussing when is Stuart Haas going to win, when is this going to come through, and it was a – Full team effort between Kevin Harvick being able to drive that race car on older tires, and then Rodney Childers' pit calls, which is why they're one of the best combinations in the sport. Uh, they were able to earn that deal, uh, held off Hamlin there in the end in that final lap. He outdrove Denny Hamlin and got that first win of the year amazing to think how many I I don't even know how many wins he had before he got to Stuart Haas but I swear that he's won probably half or more than half of his races in his career since he joined SHR which is I think what Tony wanted you know and to go and give Kevin the best of it and he has and while it hasn't been as good of a year for Stuart Haas or this was their eighth win of the year uh, at this point last year reality is generally he's been there now that this weight's lifted off their shoulders it's uh, it's a dangerous thing for all these other teams the the Gibbs guys especially the um, 19 and the 18 and then so lesser to the lesser extent the Penske guys and the twenty two and the two because you figure that with this win it's going to open them up to kind of we'll look at some of these other teams, and we're going to probably look at it in more detail, the the cutoff here, and where basically two of the four Stuart Haas cars are right there. And, I mean, credit to Kevin Harvick. He's just one of his best racetracks. He tied Jeff Burton for wins at New Hampshire yesterday. And you have to take your – I mean, he was one of the fastest cars all weekend. He may not have been the fastest car, but he was one of them. And when they needed to get track position and needed to hold it, he did. And Denny Hamlin tried to root him out of the way. He led the second most laps. Basically, it was a Gibbs benefit uh, between the 11 and the 18. Um, all the Gibbs cars finished in the top, or three of the Gibbs cars finished in the top eight. I mean, the other one would probably finishing in the top 10, too, but he got involved in the wreck, so it is what it is, or all, no, all four Gibbs cars, they finish in the top 10, sorry. So, I mean, was a Gibbs benefit, and but in the end, Stuart Haas and Ford gets a much-needed win uh, to give them some momentum as they lead towards the playoffs.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, anytime you win a race like that and, and... – in a, the fashion that he was able to pull it off, and where he sure he was able to get up, and he had track position. He was able to get the track position and um, you know get the clean air, and that helped him immensely. But he was also able to hold off um, Denny Hamlin, you know, and that wasn't an easy feat. Hamlin came; he had I think Hamlin had the best race car towards the end of that race. He had fresh tires on, as Harvick stayed out and. Um, it looked like, you know, I, I kept saying, here comes Hamlin, here comes Hamlin. And that finish was tremendous. It gives Denny Hamlin a little bit of credit there at the end as well. Uh, he could have dumped Kevin Harvick uh, coming into turn one there in that final corner, in that final lap. He could have sat there and said, you know what, uh, it's my great race to win. I want these playoff points. Heck with Harvick, he's not going to get playoff points. I'm going to spin him out and, and dump him." And, you know, with this modern era of racing where we see a lot of young kids do that in the lower divisions. And we see a lot of drivers do that in all the lower divisions. To see veteran driver ensure there was contact made and they roughed each other up a little bit, both Harvick and Hamlin, it was still clean enough to where they were able to race for it at the end. And, and to me, there's a little bit of difference between knocking fenders and uh, direct, deliberately going into a corner and taking somebody out. So I thought Hamlin did a heck of a job there. But, you know, I'm sure if he has the opportunity, he's probably kicking himself in the rear end You know, at the end of that race. He made some interesting comments, you know, uh, basically saying that he kind of regretted how he handled that. But, you know, he'll – I'm sure he'll be – if he comes down again with Harvick late in a race, you know, Harvick doesn't owe him one. Harvick really owes him to run him clean. You know, if they comes down to those two again towards the end of the race and, and Harvick is catching Hamlin, you know, Harvick can't go in there and wreck Danny Hamlin. So as frustrated as Hamlin was, um, you know, I think it, it does him some good – you know, because I think Hamlin right now is, is this sneaky pick for these champ, this championship. You know, they talk about a lot of drivers out there, and we'll get into the points a little bit later, but a lot of drivers and a lot of teams. Hamlin's had a really good year this year, and he was really strong again on Sunday. Uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. You know, I, I give even Joe Gibbs Racing a lot of credit. Um, Denny Hamlin and Mike Wheeler just weren't, you know, having a whole lot of success together. And Hamlin wanted to keep Mike Wheeler, and, and Joe Gibbs said, no, we're going to make the crew chief change. And he's really run good this year. Now, uh, Gibbs, over the last couple of weekends on these flat tracks, have really found it. If you remember a couple of weeks ago at Sonoma, uh, they were, I think, all Gibbs cars finished in the top ten. Same deal again this weekend. Uh, you know, Kyle Busch led a lot of the race. He hit the wall. Then he got frustrated that he hit the wall um, and couldn't pass anybody at the end of that race. But all the Toyota cars finished in the top ten, including Nancy Benedetto in fifth. A strong run for him. And Eric Jones, who really needed a good run, you know, towards the back end of that playoff hunt, um, finishing in the third spot That was a nice job for him Then you had Ryan Blaney who had a pretty good day He was in the top five all day in fourth And as I mentioned Matty Benedetto in fifth He had Truex in sixth We'll get to Ryan Newman's run a little bit Because that was really impressive A seventh place run for Ryan Newman Kyle Bush and eighth that was Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski Rounding out the top ten But what about Denny Hamlin's run here Philip? Uh, in a backup car Was able to go out there and really perform And show people um, exactly You know I think a, a step, t- even though he didn't win this race, a step in the right direction towards him being a championship contender here in 2019.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just while you were making that point about Hamlin, I I decided to go and look up what, he, what his stats were so far this year in the Cup Series. And in terms of top fives, he's tied with Joey Logano, who is the points leader. And in terms of top tens, he's tied with his teammate Martin Truex and yesterday's winner Kevin Harvick in top tens. So he's tied for third in that realm. He only has one DNF, which is part of the reason why he has such a that there's a big gap at that stage wins and laps led. Uh, but I mean, for what Denny Hamlin has been or generally has been over time, he'd kind of been on the on the falling off a little bit and. I think JD and Joe saw the rev went and saw that Hamlin was kind of going away. We kind of need to give, you know, a push, you know, need to give them a boost. Gabe Hart has definitely given them a boost. Uh, They've been running with house money since winning Daytona winning at Texas is a big deal for them considering they'll be going back there in the playoff, but they've been, consistent, or generally consistent, which is something that Denny Hamlin over recent years hasn't been. Uh, Now that they have this together, it it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for the 11 team to go and make a run here. You know, Martinsville is one of his best racetracks. It's home, Richmond home. You know, you you talk about Texas. He's won there. He's a former winner at Darlington leading into the playoffs. You look at Phoenix which has generally been over his entire career pre reconfigure and now post reconfigure one of his better race tracks so it lies it, the the lay of the land goes in his favor uh, possibly even Dover um, you know so that's another one so I mean there's a lot of good tracks for Hamlin fact he didn't use them up and felt bad about it later is one I mean because he dumped Chase Elliott at Martinsville a couple of years ago and that didn't work out so well for him. And I think that yeah. might've played it's a role point. mainly because he knows that Kevin Harvick is liable to run, try to go after him, whether it's with Elena or by himself, or he'd use his car as a weapon too, because Kevin Harvick has done that before. So, I mean, the difference is Denny Hamlin has tried to dump people before and been and failed miserably at it. This has gone on for many years because of his multiple personalities. The fact that he's in a good place right now with this team and this organization, he's kind of got job security, uh, is something where he wants to make it pay off. And, you know, him finishing second at at this race wasn't a loss. It was a loss, but in the end, I think it was a net win for the 11 team. Because when you look at a lot of these other teams that had to go to a backup car, it did not go very well for them. Uh, But Denny Hamlin drove from, you know, tailback and and made it work. So Mm got to give those guys credit.
0: Yeah, and and I just think you touched on something really interesting about him. He's the type of guy where if he can be able to put a season together – he can win anywhere, we, and we've seen him win anywhere. So that's a very good point because I think if, if he could ever get consistent, you know, and, and put a season together, he could be scary. Um, so And I think he's starting to get to that point right now where you're sitting there going, oh, Hamlin's really running good. it has been a couple of runs this year where you really see that 11-card take off. Spencer, I want to get your opinion on these next three guys here. A couple of uh, a, a drivers who really need to have a good run, and Eric Jones, in um, third, you know he had a solid day all day long, uh, but then Ryan Blaney in fourth. We've discussed him at length this year, where he's had a tough season at times this year, but a good fourth place run for him. And then Matty Benedetto, interesting run for him as well. You know a guy who um, we saw at times. You know he had to, he he went to the back for a couple of reasons there in the middle of the race, and was able to work his way back up to the front. Um, and do a, a very good job. And really, over the last uh, five or some races since Sonoma, this 95 team's really figured it out. Uh, you know, you take Chicago out of that where he finished 27th, and eighth-place finish at Daytona, 16th at Kentucky, and now a fifth at Loudoun. Um, maybe Mike Wheeler and Matthew Benedetto are starting to figure it out there for Levine Family Racing, or maybe Levine Family starting to get a little bit more support from Joe Gibbs. For whatever reason, a nice run for the Grass Valley, California native, and Matt DiBenedetto on Sunday. Um, What are your thoughts on on DiBenedetto and Eric Jones and
2: and Ryan Blaney? Yeah, I'll just go in order. I'll start with Jones. Yeah. You know, all the talk around that whole deal with um, Bill and all that there, I'm not going to touch on that because we've mentioned it plenty of times, but um, we were just wondering when is he going to start running up front? When is he going to compete for wins? And he's doing that now. And, uh, you know, if he can't win now, at least make the playoffs. And then maybe, you know, they're able to do something in there. And, you know, they've done their job. Um, they're currently sitting 14th in the standings. And they, they were below. They were the guys looking in there for a little bit. And, you know, um, him and his crew chief have done a good job, you know, executing, finishing races up front. And, you know, that's all you need to do to make the playoffs. You don't necessarily have to win unless you're, you know, you're really far behind. Um, so as of now, you know, if they continue to put together these top fives that they're doing and running in the top 10 and, uh, getting stage points, you know, they should have no problem making it. I mean, he's with Joe Gibbs, one of the best organizations in the sport. And, um, whether he's getting the leftovers from there after Truex and, uh, Bush get the stuff and the leftovers go to Hamlin or whatnot, and he's just getting the bottom of the barrel stuff. Um, well, he's performing in it now. And I think him, and his crew chief have something going here and they just need to keep the momentum up and. Like I said, if just make the playoffs and then, you know, hit it hard in the playoffs and see what you can do. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and win the championship, but if he's in the playoffs, you know, anybody's a contender. So, And then for uh, Blaney, um, if I was Blaney, I would be concerned of losing my ride, but I would be concerned that I haven't won. I mean, look, his rally, his sports cars are winning, his Indy cars are winning, Logano's winning, Brad's winning. And Blaney hasn't won yet. And I don't know whether it's uh, – they're just having – him and his crew chief just aren't clicking. but he had this crew chief over at the Wood Brothers, and I thought they ran really well over there in the 21 car for that historic team and, um, you know, won a race, made the playoffs, won a couple poles. And so the crew chief knows what he's doing. He knows how to put a setup in the car. He, um, he knows how to win, a ra- win races. So, um, you know, they, I just don't really think they're firing on all cylinders. And, you know, they're getting good runs he's going to make the playoffs it's just they have to break through and really um they need to put it in victory lane if if I was blaming his crew chief you know like I mentioned the whole organization's winning and everything and he just hasn't really found his way you know to cross the line in first you know whether it's you know going to the back of the pack or getting caught up in an accident the restricted plates where he where he runs really well it's um He's just got to he just needs a win. Um, and that might give him that team some momentum and carry on into the playoffs. And he could be a contender. You know, he's a great race car driver. He runs well um, pretty much everywhere he goes. You never see him running way in the back. So um, yeah, that team, I just think they just need to keep focused and keep hitting it hard each year and every week. And I'm sure they'll find victory lane. I mean, it's Team Penske, just like I said, with the Joe Gibbs stuff, it's one of the best teams in NASCAR. And then for Matty Benedetto, um, you know, another good run for them. And, you know, whether they're getting, like you said, maybe they're getting some more support and it's showing. Um, I don't think they're where they need to be for the fast mile and a half. So, you know, they're always right around 20th, 21st. Um, they have been all year until you go to the restricted plates and they're running up front. And then they come to these shorter uh, shorter racetracks and they're running well. You know, he runs really well at Bristol and that's coming up. Um, you know, he ran fifth here. He's a good road course racer, finished, I think, third or fourth there. I can't remember. Um, and they're putting together solid finishes and, and if he wants to be in that ride next year, Bob Levine's looking, the team, whoever makes the decisions for him to be in the race car going, well, he's getting the job done for the equipment we had. And, you know, they're going to keep getting these good finishes and they're going to build on that and they could be better next year. And, um, you know, I think he has a lot of talent, honestly. I don't think he's a bad race car driver. He outperforms the stuff that he's in, I think. So, um, you know, Mike Wheeler, he's a veteran crew chief. He was worked with Hamlin for many years, so. Um, you, you know, him and D could can finally start to click and you know, that's all it takes is uh momentum and a good uh crew chief combination like me and you have talked about over text. Um you know, you're you're pretty big on the crew chief and driver connection and that's huge. Um so yeah, I mean great runs for all of them. Um they need it. So we'll just have to see. Uh unfortunately it sucks, he's not gonna make the playoffs. I it would be cool to see that little team in the playoffs. But uh anyways a good run for them and that's good and We'll just have to see how his rest of the season goes.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting to see Di Benedetto here in the last four or five weeks. Really put together some decent runs, and let's see if that team can. You know, if this is just a, a little bit of a, a team overperforming, or if they can put together some solid runs here to end the year and really get the momentum building. A lot of rumors surrounding that team. They're going to go to. It sounds like they're going to go to two race cars next year with Di Benedetto in one and Christopher Bell in the other, and maybe you could. That's why you're starting to see a little bit more to, uh, Joe Gibbs support going to that organization, which I think would help both cars and help both drivers there next season. But that's probably something we'll talk about on Wednesday uh, as we continue here reviewing the New Hampshire race, uh, the Cup Series race. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here talking. Circles, Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthews, Spencer Cowan here uh, as we continue through the top 10. Martin Truex Jr., not a great day, but a sixth-place run. They'll take it. But the driver who stands out to me in the top 10, who... I mean listen, and I know he's he's very vocal at times, uh, and he's a pain in the neck to pass at times, but you gotta give this guy some credit. And it's Ryan Newman. I mean, they're in a backup car again, um like like Danny Hamlin we saw and listen, it hasn't been a a year where um you could sit there and say, Well this team's gonna go out and win a championship but lately, since Michigan, Ryan that, that is now uh, one, two, three, four, five, six races. Ryan Newman's finished in the top ten in five of the last six races. So that team's really starting to pick it up. They've jumped from 17th to 15th in the standings and really have put themselves back into um, the conversation of making the playoffs, which is something that they really needed to do. Uh, I think Newman and Scott Graves are a major upgrade. Remember, that six car hasn't been anywhere near this with Trevor Bain in the car the last few years, and even Matt Kenseth in it. They weren't running as consistent as they are now. I think Scott Graves has a lot more to do with that than everybody uh, thinks, but, but Ryan Newman certainly has a lot to do with that as well. Uh, he's, a hard, he's a hard racer. He's very good at loud. Um, a driver to come back, again, with a backup car from the rear to finish um, in the seventh position, I give him a lot of credit. I think he ran a really good race. You know, We took our Kyle Busch, struggles, Ennio and Brian, Brad Kazowski uh, ending up in the top 10. Uh, Philip. how about you? What, what? Anybody that stands out to you, 6th through 10th there in the field on Sunday?
1: I mean, yeah, definitely it, it stands out with Newman. Uh, I, I, That's the one. I mean, Truex, frustration, whatever. You know, he loses his mind when anybody kind of races around him, so that's whatever. Uh, Kyle Busch probably had the best car. And they threw a caution immediately when he drove out of the groove, but that's beside the point. They used to do that for Jimmy Johnson, too. So, whatever, he's the chosen one. Uh, but, and then the Penske guys didn't really have as good of a run as they probably wanted. Logano wasn't happy. Brad started on pole, first pole in two years, or there, almost two years, didn't really get the run they wanted, led a few laps. But I guess in this case, with it not being in the playoffs anymore, It's not as big of a deal for them. For Newman, this is one of his best racetracks. He won his first career race here. Uh, Tony Stewart, you know, because of Tony Stewart, you know, getting wrecked. He got one of his more recent wins there. One of his later wins for there for Penske. He ran well there when he drove for Stewart Haas. This is one of Ryan Newman's best racetracks. They went through a lot of stuff early in the weekend. Uh, the fact that that crew, him and Scott Graves, have re-energized Roush Racing. Uh, I'm no Ryan Newman fan. It's clear by, if you look at my social media over time and some of the comments he's made about people that I like, but the reality is Ryan Newman has done a lot in, over his time in the sport. He's been very vocal as you you mentioned, Clayton, and in a lot of ways, he knows because he's one of the only ones that actually has that education. There's very few guys that are sitting there that actually know the ins and outs outs of a race car. He does. He was educated. He went to Purdue and got his engineering degree, and the reality is if he had a neck and probably weighed about 50 pounds, thus he'd probably be in an open wheel car. But instead he has no neck and he weighs 50 pounds more. He drives a stock car and Penske liked him and he fit the Penske mold for a while. And all these teams he's driven for, he's driven for three of the biggest owners, you know, he drove for, for Penske forever and he drove for Tony and Gene. I can count them as one and he drove for RC So now he's brought all that energy and all those different ideas along with Scott Graves, who comes from the Gibbs effort, which has been super competitive for many years. And you put them in the Roush realm where they have not been competitive for probably five, six, seven years, if not more. And there's progress being made. And it's a positive sign. Because Roush Racing dying the way that, you know, the Bud Moores or Junior Johnson's or Robert Yates, or you talk about, like, Ricky Rudd having to sell out for pennies on the dollar, or or Bill Elliott having to sell out to Raymond for pennies on the dollar. You know, those teams going away, it was sad. You know, in this case, Roush has possibly has the opportunity to get a re to get revitalized again. And it could possibly mean some new opportunities. It might mean a third car. It might mean that Stenhouse finally shows what he can really do. And that's something we might discuss in more detail on, on Wednesday because he's getting him and some of these drivers, there's going to be some, uh, he's, he's building a list. But you got to give credit to those two. That combination of Graves and Newman, they're doing what they need to do. And they're going to a lot of racetracks here coming up that are generally good tracks for Ryan Newman. And which also means that they could make good points, which means that, you know, they could do the backdoor win, but they could also make it in on points and put the squeeze on some of these other teams that are around them, which is I think what both of those guys want for the, 16 to make the playoffs, it would be a pretty good deal uh, overall for that organization if they're able to make that happen. So I guess we'll find out in a few weeks, but uh, they're in a good
0: place for sure. Yeah, they really are. And uh, I I can't express enough how just impressed I've been. You know, we kind of saw it early in the year, and then he kind of went through a a long long lull where it just didn't seem like they were going to. Make the playoffs, and now they've really picked it back up again, um, and they've really run well. So, and Loud was a very impressive run, like I said, just because it was a backup car, and he sat there and said, "Oh, Newman, you know, he might if he gets top fifteen, it's a good day." Well, not only did he get a seventh place run, he, he finished uh, in one of the stages in third. So, and now obviously there's track, there's some strategy that goes into that as well, but you know, those are points that he needs. So, to do what you have to do there to get to get those stage points um and that was a big day for him no doubt about it and he deserves a lot of credit that whole team does Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. a couple of guys who stand out you know we talked about backup cars five drivers went the backup cars on sunday we talked about ryan newman and, and uh, denny hamlin they were in backup cars and ended up in the top 10 three other drivers were william byron alex bowman and um kyle larson and By- byron and bowman had a decent day they finished 12th and 14th But they were nowhere near where they needed to be To lead laps and win um, A couple other guys that stayed out in the top That stand out in the top 20 Chris Buescher by the way 15th place run That's his ninth consecutive top 20 finish For JTG Daugherty Racing He's closed the gap on 20th and points He's doing a great job there this year uh, He deserves a shout out Tough day for Daniel Suarez 19th place run for him Clint Boyer as well uh, He had some issues throughout the race, the 20th place run for him. Kurt Busch, last week's winner, was 18th. Michael McDowell, decent job there for um, Front Row Motorsports in 17th spot. Menard, after causing a lot of controversy in the Xfinity Series race, which we'll get to, uh, he finished in the 13th spot. So some decent days there for drivers. Uh, Buscher had a good day. Byron and Bowman, eh. But uh, what are your thoughts there? Anybody that really stands out to you, Spencer, as kind of surprised
2: um, that
0: there in the top 20.
2: Yeah, Busher, that's uh that's a pretty good run for them again. Um, you know, they've been running so well and he, you know, he's a good race car driver. He um you know, he obviously showed that in the Xfinity series by winning a championship and you know that um you know, with that car being the newest car of the team, you know, it was always just a forty seven for as long as I can remember. Um and for him to come into there and really turn and add a new car and make that car better than the car that's been there. Um it's pretty cool um i I like seeing the smaller teams run well, and you know he had that good finish last week, and I forget where he finished. I know it was inside the top ten and for him to bounce back and get another fifteenth place finish um is good, but it's not there's not enough time for him to make the playoffs I don't think um not unless some not unless a miracle happens um but I think if he was there to be there next year. I think they would get better. You know, they would be at these tracks the whole previous year, have their notes, and they could really do something special. And not saying pull off a – well, I'm going to say they could pull off a win next year if they got really good um, at some certain tracks, like Bristol. He ran well there when he was with uh, Front Row. Um, So you never know. That was another good run for them. Um, Ty Dillon, an okay run for him in 16th. you know, that team has ran a lot better than they did last year. You know, we mentioned last year, you forget they were even in the race. And so that's – they're making small steps. Um, and it's not their fault. I mean, the whole RCR stable is ru- not running too well. Um, they do good in qualifying, just never transitions over to the race. So um, whether he's getting not-so-good equipment and the eight and the threes getting the best equipment, well, if the best equipment can't go out and win, then – damn sure the bottom of the barrel equipment can't go out and win so that was a good turnaround for them in 16th um Kurt Bush, a little shocking there but you know he's in got his win and um uh 18th is he from here on out to the playoffs he really doesn't care where he finishes he's in the playoffs and he's a he's a contender to win it that's for sure if he if that team keeps it up Um uh, Michael McDowell 17th solid run for them for that team and uh other than that um the guys that I see down there are guys that continue to stay running down there all year. So um, middle of the field right there are some guys that deserve good finishes like that or decent finishes, I would say. Um, um, hopefully they can keep that going, and that would be momentum rolling into next year because they're not going to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I, and Butcher, quick shout-out to his crew chief, Trent Owens. does a great job there. Uh, he's been a good crew chief for a long time and really finally got a, a car that is, I think – Capable of running really good and a team that that puts some money behind them, And uh, it's Belize Blossom, with Chris Buescher has a really good driver there as well. So uh, he deserves some credit there. How about you, Philip? I mean, there's a couple drivers. You know, we talked about um, Boyer, how this was a big weekend for him because he really runs good at this racetrack, spun and crashed, and, and was able to salvage a halfway decent day out of it. Suarez got into some issues as well in that race. Um, You know, a couple of guys who really kind of needed to have a good run that didn't kill them this weekend to where they finished. Um, A couple of guys had some bad runs, and we'll touch on them next. But how about the Stuart Haas boys there in 19th and 20th? What are your thoughts on their days at at Loudoun?
1: Yeah, we've, we've discussed in previous episodes about some of these crew chief driver combinations. I know we've also talked about that as well offline. And I'm also of the belief that it has – both pieces have to be there. And as I was talking about earlier before we got on Gondier, watching the you know recap shows this afternoon, they discussed in detail some of these group chief-driver combinations and how they're not performing. You know, we can let go Kurt Busch. You know, he, he started third, didn't have the greatest day. You know – but the car that finished behind him he drove that car last year, and they were generally not that consistent either. but the difference was Kurt Bush was able to carry carry him across the line because of his experience and you know his general you know being in a better place than he has ever been and Now that he's in a place where he's definitely wanted in a place where he can build his own team, they're benefiting. Daniel Suarez is trying to find his own way and him and Billy Scott, Billy Scott's had a checkered, you know, history between Boyer and Miss Hummer and, and you know, now it's with Suarez and Bush and all that. But I don't know what the deal is. You know, it's, now they're outside of the playoff. They need to figure it out. Uh, they're not a team that should be outside of the playoff, honestly. And if they are, it's going to be a real problem for everybody that's involved with the 41 team. And even more than that, the Mike bogoravich Clint Boyer experiment, along with, you know, so Kyle Larson and, and Chad Johnston, if there's two teams that probably need a crew chief, or there has to be some move. Uh, I would honestly say it's the 14 and the 42. I don't think Quinn Boyer is the worst guy in the world. He's, everyone loves him because he has this big personality and stuff. But I also don't believe that Mike Bogaerts is that bad. He's willing to take risks, but at the end uh, at the end of the day, they don't always pay off. But it doesn't work, and they made a, they took a risk they probably didn't need to take, or probably went about things the wrong way strategy wise. And then they got wrecked with Turex with and ended up finishing the 20th. It's a fundamental problem. I mean, now that the fours won, the 10s probably going to be in no problem. And Al Merle and Klaus Meyer have a good relationship. I think it isn't out of the realm of possibility. And I, I wouldn't put it out. It, it, I mean, there's things you know. Larson got re-signed for another year, supposedly at Ganassi, so that's out the door. And there it looks like Ganassi is going to be back next year, so that means these guys are going to keep their jobs. But I would also venture to say it might be the time you take a few races before this playoff and you try to shoot the moon and make a change, because it. it I don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to change anything, of course, but right. I don't think the the, the it's it's about time that you evaluate after you've gone through. I mean, how many freaking races? 20 races this year, and then you consider that that Quinn Boyer has been driving for Tony for for freaking three. This is his third year driving for Tony. You know, so it's. He's driven six, what is it, 70, 90, almost 100 races, and they have like three wins. At some point, there has to be an evaluation. I would hate that to see Bugger ravage you know, get the axe, because I honestly don't believe he's a problem. But with the current point situation the way it is, there's, there, all these teams are where they are for a reason. And there has to be a general right. reevaluation of the whole entire setup. Uh, if they're gonna make a they're gonna make that move. I mean Hendrick, I would also just before we go and change the next point, Hendrick had a horrendous day. And Jimmy yeah, Johnson my, looked lost. Point. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson looked and it was not good. And you know, there's some reevaluating that has to go on. I mean, Alex Bowman wrecked three cars. This weekend, he was nowhere. He hates New Hampshire. He put it out on social media, and he proved it this weekend. Chase Elliott had the same kind of issue as the same kind of engine issue. He didn't have a great run. He hasn't been that great this year compared to last year or even before that. So And then Byron was really nowhere. So, I mean, that, that's another team, and we'll go into that here in a minute.
0: Yeah, and you've talked about Chase Elliott, and Hendrick is the team that I was going to bring up next just because they had such a tough day at Loudoun. And this was an organization when we talked about Chicago three weeks ago, we looked at that and we were like, wow, they really, really ran good at Chicago. Uh, Chase Elliott finished 11th, but Byron was 8th, Bowman won, if you remember, and Jimmy Johnson finished 4th. And everybody was like, man, this team has really figured it out. Well, Loudoun was the opposite of Chicago where you sat there and were like, what is going on? I mean – Jimmy was a top ten car before he had his power steering issues. Maybe a top back into the top ten car, and he lost his power steering. He was never really able to,
1: to uh,
0: do much after that. But you talk about Chase Elliott, and listen, let's be honest. Chase Elliott, after this Coca-Cola 600, was third in the point standings uh, with a, with in the middle of, of uh, six straight, five straight top five finishes. He won Talladega, and then he finished fifth at Dover, fourth at Kansas, fourth at Charlotte, and fourth at Pocono. So that's five straight top five finishes for Chase Elliott. Since then, a 20th at Michigan, 37th at Sonoma, 11th at Chicago, 35th at Daytona, 15th at Kentucky, and 29th at Loudon. Now, a lot of those are out of his control and out of his team's control, but still, you know, this is a driver and a team I think everybody sort of looked at last year and said, hey, Chase Elliott won three races last year. He's going to go out and he's going to dominate the season. He's going to have his breakout year this year where he's running for the championship. It has not happened. Now, there's still a lot of the regular season to go, and he's got some good races coming up. He proved that last year when he won a few races towards the end of the year. Watkins Glen, of course, he runs good at which he won last year. But this nine team, I expected just a little bit more consistency and a little bit more – where they can go out there And you feel good about them They haven't really had that And over the last six weeks they've really struggled And and to me it's not a good sign Because I felt like when Hendrick Motorsports Found it and I felt like that race in Chicago I sat there and saw them And I went oh boy This could be Hendrick Motorsports Finding it, I think I might even talk about it on the show Finding it and saying We're here to stay um, And they haven't been able to capitalize On that momentum and really capitalize on anything from that race at Chicago. And to me, that's really, really alarming from a Hendrick Motorsports fan that they weren't able to take Chicago and even bring it to Kentucky. I mean, they struggled at Kentucky. And I know Byron was close to winning that race before he had a restart violation at the end. But still, you want to see those four teams moving in the right direction. And let me say this. Jimmy Johnson, guys, and I know he had some, again, this is last week. Or the, uh, with, with the power steering this weekend At Loudon But Jimmy Johnson has had a great year And canals um, and him Were such a powerful force And I think we all kind of Expect them to stay together forever But Jimmy's been eh this year And again he was a guy Fourth at Chicago Third at Daytona he said okay here comes Jimmy Johnson He's going to find it. him and Kevin Mendering Have gotten together and, they're come, and they've taken a step back here The last couple of weeks And now Jimmy looks at it for the first time in his career. There's six races to go until we get to the playoffs. But for the first time in his career, he's on the outside of the playoffs looking in. And this is not the 48 team we're used to seeing where they go out, win races. And to me, for the first time in my life, I'm actually sitting there going, maybe Jimmy Johnson's done. Maybe this is Jimmy Johnson's – last. I think, honestly – from what I've read and what I've gathered, I think the, this year and next year are going to be his last year's in, in NASCAR. Maybe this is Jimmy Johnson just finishing on his career and it's going to go out with a dud. And not to the extent and not to the longevity that we saw with Richard Petty, but maybe to the little bit of where it's noticeable where he's saying, man, they weren't really good the last couple of years. They weren't really as strong as they normally were. That 48 team just has me a little concerned. Now, three straight top five finishes which is something they haven't done all year, guys. Three straight top five, top ten finishes they haven't done all season in 20 races. That's unheard of. If you think about that 48 team, it's mind-boggling. This team is surrounded off like 15 top tens in a row, and we wouldn't even blink at it. And now they can't get three in a row. It's that consistency and, and the ability to really go out and dominate races that's missing from Jimmy Johnson and that 48 team. And I'm, a, I'm concerned. I really am concerned because when you look around the points, and we'll get to that now, guys, when you get to the points situation, uh, there's a couple of drivers around him. Now, I think Bernard's too far back, but Suarez, I think Suarez can rattle off some decent runs here. Correa as well we've documented Ryan Newman running really well lately. He's got momentum on his side. Eric Tillens, now, Larson had a little blip on the radar. He spun out twice and crashed out loud, but he's put together some solid runs over the last couple of weeks to sort of put him in, in, the, in the points a little bit better than where he was. So when you look at those group of drivers, you sit there and go, well, who's the driver really struggling the most right now? Jimmy Johnson. And I don't want to be that guy that's struggling the most with these six races to go. So um, as we look at the points and as we think what we saw at loud in uh, Spencer, I'm really concerned about what Jimmy Johnson has going forward here and whether or not he can make the playoffs. He's never missed the playoffs in his career which is hard to believe. Um, but here he is sitting there to the points. I'm real concerned about where that 48 team is right now.
2: Yeah, I think he's done. I I don't think he's going to make the playoffs just because I feel like in this time of the, the season, you have to be so consistent because everybody is giving, giving it all they have to give it that one last run in, to make the playoffs. And I just feel like that team hasn't been there in several years. And I don't – I don't know if it's Jimmy Johnson, crew chief. I mean, they didn't run good last year, and they had canals on the box. So it's, I don't, it's, it's mind-boggling why Hendrick has just fallen off, and they used to be the top team. I mean, it was to the Jimmy Johnson was like the Kyle Busch. You were like, oh, really, Johnson in the lead again? Like you don't, like he's gonna win? Like I don't want to see that. It's the same, and now it's just like you're pulling for the guy to go up front and win a race, and. um so, yeah, I see him in very big trouble. I don't see him making the playoffs. Um, not not with Newman running the way he is in Boyer. I'm sure he can click off a few finishes. And Suarez, I think, will finish off the regular season better than Johnson and therefore pass Johnson. And Johnson will probably be 18th. So there's no way he makes the playoffs unless he pulls off a win, which I don't see happening with the way they're running. Um, and I agree. I think next year says last year. I don't know. I think he has one more de- one more year with Ally, and I think that's the only reason he's staying. Um, if this was the last year with Ally, I would say this would be his last year. And I, you know, this is probably for another show. There's no clue who's going to take it, but I don't see the 48 and seven time making the playoffs. Yeah, it's really it's really
0: concerning. I'm
2: I'm for
0: first. I can't believe I'm saying this because I used to. I mean, I got told for years by a friend of mine. I was so pro-48, and I'm like, how could you not be? I mean, these these guys were just so good for so long. It was just – it was incredible to watch what we were watching. And now I'm concerned. Uh, another driver who had some issues, fill up, in, and just, just, just looking at the points-wise, um, and really has put himself – and I think he was sort of in this boat before Loudon, but he's really put himself in a win-or-go-home situation. It's Ricky Sinhaus Jr., um, just They haven't been able to find a consistency We've seen that 17 car perform well at times this year And then we've seen them Really just kind of uh, Not run good at all And uh, Bob got Got into some, into some Issues there with Eric Jones Where Jones kind of cut him off And uh, cut his right front, left front tire down And then Stenhouse went through a corner hit the outside wall and Really destroyed his number 17 Ford, Ended up in the 36th position so, really, um, a driver who I think a lot of people might have looked at this year and said, well, hook 10 for the playoffs. Now he's outside looking in. Menard as well. I don't think Menard's going to make it on a point. a decent day at Loudon, but that 21 car's been off too this year. Um, so, really, uh, two, two of the of, – I think those drivers from 13th to 18th, uh, those drivers, two of those six are going to miss. That's going to be wild to watch. But I'll tell you, say the same thing to Spencer, and I'll let you come out here before we move on to the Xfinity Series. I'm concerned about that forty eight team where they're running right now, uh Philip.
1: Yeah, I mean the forty eight they're they're not I mean, basically like you made the mention about, you know, Richard Petty and you talked about Durrell and you talk about some of these guys who have the history uh, of winning and they didn't go out gracefully. I would I would venture to say even in Jeff Gordon's case Yes, he was able to get to the Final Four in his last full-time season, um, in large part because Matt Kenseth went mental and drove ran into Joey Logano. But even Jeff Gordon, past 2007, wasn't the same guy that he had been from 1994 to 2007. Jimmy Johnson, ever since he basically used up all of his, he used up that golden horseshoe in 2016 is not the same driver. We thought he was going to get – I thought he was going to get to 105. It's the same way as a lot of us thought. I think you and I both would have thought, and we didn't know each other, that Jeff would have probably gone to David Pearson the way he was winning back in the late 90s. And he got to 93. I honestly thought Jimmy Johnson was going to get past him. And now we're discussing whether he's even going to get to 84 he is not relevant. And the fact that, you know, he might miss the playoffs for the first time, when you consider that more than half of the actual field makes the playoffs and Jimmy Johnson might not make the playoffs, tells you how bad they really are. There's only 30 drivers, I think. I think there's only 30 drivers that have run every race this year. 16 make the playoffs. He's 17th Mm -hmm. right now. So the fact that he's in position to miss this is the epitome of mediocrity. I mean, it is. I totally agree. And when you change crew chiefs, they made it look – I mean, I think they changed a crew chief because I think Chad wanted to continue and he wanted to prove that it wasn't Jess because he was with Jimmy. And they have him and, and, and and Hendrick have this obsession with William Byron that I don't know. That, I guess, he's proven another series, but, you know, so I guess they wanted to both make that pay off. Jimmy's just holding on for dear life, and he's going to run out the string, and they'll probably announce some retirement tour or whatever, and he'll be able to do his triathlons. He'll drive some off-road races. He's going to be driving other things. The fact is he may only run one more full NASCAR season after this cup season, but he's going to drive a whole lot of stuff and he's going to do a whole lot of things the same way as Kirk is kind of setting himself up to be able to do whatever he wants. I think Jimmy's doing the same thing and, you know, let, let him go off, you know, hopefully he'll be able to get another win or something or two. I never thought I'd actually root for a Jimmy Johnson win. It might actually happen now, Uh, but you know, and, and I mean, for Stenhouse, there's a lot of inconsistency with him You can add the organization being in a bad place. I think the fact that Newman's there and he has a good relationship with him and that they're building, I think 2020 would be that kind of line of demarcation to dictate where we see Ricky Stenhouse as a cup competitor. And it also, there will be a possibility of one to three Stuart Haas openings amongst other cars that might be open where – even if Roush decided to get rid of them, there might be opportunities for
0: him. Yeah, I agree with Stenhouse. That's a good that's a good analysis there. I think next year will be because, you know, now you have a, a base point not where it's not only the 17. And I think the problem with the six car over the years was just more than Trevor Bain. I think it was even the crew chiefs there might not have been. Uh, you know, they were sort of old Roush guys who have been there for a long time and could never. You know, you brought in Scott Graves, who was a Joe Gibbs Racing crew chief the last couple of years bringing their notes in and saying hey guys this is how we do it at Joe Gibbs Racing it was like whoa and I think with Newman's background it sort of took off and those cars are getting better and better now Stenhouse had a tough year I think a lot of a lot of it's luck that hasn't really gone his way so absolutely 2020 could be the year where you sit there and say if Newman does it again next year where he's real good and Stenhouse doesn't make the playoffs and struggles you go maybe it's time for a change over there in that 17 car I think a lot of people agree that Stenhouse has some talent um it's you know, but like I've said this numerous times, there's sometimes where it just doesn't work, and you just gotta change change things because it's not working. And it might pay it, you know, you might regret it and say, "Well, man, Senhouse turned out to be a really good driver," and et cetera, But it just wasn't working there. And I feel like you know he's been there a long time now, um, and he's gotta get some consistent. Yeah, he's got he's gotta get some consistency in that 17 car if he wants to stay there. NASCAR Xfinity Series race guys, uh, that was the Rolex 200. Um, from Loudon, New Hampshire, a real dominating performance by Christopher Bell. He led 186 of the race's 200 laps. Uh, a dominating race by him. He was your winner. Cole Custer second, then it was Justin Allgaier, Tyler Reddick, Paul Menard, Chase Briscoe, Ryan Truex, Ryan Sieg, Brandon Jones, and Noah Gregson the top ten there at Loudoun But the real interesting part, guys, was the the contact between uh, Paul Menard. And Harrison Burton, um, Menard, and this was in the middle of the race. they were running for about six or seven. Was able was went into the corner and made contact with Harrison. Harrison hit the outside wall. Um, he eventually retired from the event. Now Harrison's a young kid, Jeff Burton's son, at Joe Gibbs Racing. So maybe there's some resentment there. Now Menard said that uh, Harrison Burton tapped him twice or hit him twice. Uh, and he was not ha- not too happy about that. So he's got to teach the young kid a lesson early in his career before he does that again. Um, a lot to take in there. A lot to take in there, Spencer. What are your thoughts on, on the Menard and uh, Harrison Burton situation?
2: I'm just happy to see Harrison Burton go up and confront him. You know, I think we need to see a lot more of that in the sport. Um, I don't think, you know, if these young kids just – you know, continue to let them, the older guys, just run over them, Um, then the older guys are going to be like, well, they're, you know, they're young. They're not going to come up and say anything. Who cares? Well, it was good for Harrison Burton to go up. Honestly, let's face it. Now, Paul Menard, he's a joke. You know, I'm I'm not going to get too into it. You know, he's here because of his father. We all know that. Um, So, so for him to even complain, I mean, there wasn't even a mark on his car, and Harrison Burton pointed that out. Harrison Burton pointed that out, and there was just a little bit of tire mark on the back. I mean, this is racing. Nowadays, you can't even tap a guy without him losing his mind, and there's just going to be a fight about it. I mean, these guys act like you're supposed to just pull over and let them go by. This is racing, and Tony Stewart never said it better. He goes, this is racing. He goes, you are supposed to let a guy – just pull over and pass you. If you want to see that kind of passing, go out on I-4, or the road he named, and go watch that. You're not supposed to just pull over and let a guy do that. And these guys, you can't race no more. And for Harrison Burton to go up and say, listen, there's not even a mark on your car. You came down on my nose. Yeah, I might have tapped you twice, but for you to do that to me and just basically end my day is bullcrap. And Harrison Burton showed emotion. He showed that he was mad and he has every right to be. I mean... For you, if he got tapped yeah. and you're going to go dump a guy or do whatever, It's it's that's uncalled for. And I feel like we need to see more confronting each other in Asgard, telling, hey, I didn't appreciate that. And honestly, if Harrison Burton has a chance to race for Paul Menard again, I'd hit Paul Menard again and put his butt in the wall. And it's just, he's he's a he's a baby. He acts like a baby about it. Well, I
0: think you've touched on a lot of good things about contact and how, for whatever reason that... And I don't know if it's the way the cars race now where if you do create a little bit of damage on these race cars, it it sort of – I wouldn't say end your day, but it really hampers your performance. And that wasn't always the case where you could go up to somebody and and put a tire on them, and and cars would would drive fine. Um, I do think, though, what Paul Menard's issue might have been was he might have been sitting there looking at it going, this is the kid in this third Xfinity Series start at Joe Gibbs Racing and I'm at Team Penske and I'm getting passed by him, might have been a little bit of, of you know, annoyance that he was back there running around with him, so um, you know, Philip, so, so it's funny because there used to be this, this and I think it's gone away and, and Menard sort of alluded to this I think when he was talking about it, there used to be this sort of gentleman's agreement where, you know, young kids moved over for veterans and never really made contact with them and sort of respected their elders out on the racetrack, I think it's changed a lot in the last fifteen to twenty years. Um, but to me, there's a difference between you know really busting somebody's chops and bumping somebody a couple of times at a short at, at a track that races like a short track at Loudon, New Hampshire. What were your thoughts on the Paul Menard and uh, and um, Harrison Burton situation?
1: It was it was unnecessary what what Paul Menard did, and I'm, I'm... I follow people and I'm friends with, on social media with people that are Paul Menard fans and they know what he is. Uh, he's generally irrelevant. And the fact is his dad's a multi-billionaire and that's why he's there. And that's why he's employed by Penske racing to basically waste a 21 car. What I find interesting is he shared a Penske he was a teammate with a guy that is an even bigger waste in Austin Sindrick and is probably going to replace him in the 21 car after the 2020 season. Uh, you didn't have to drive in a Harrison Burton and wreck him to prove a point, but because Paul Minard doesn't have talent, he drove in him and used him up. I feel like Harrison – and it was amazing. Like, Jeff Burton was screwed because he's he's an NBC commentator and he's trying not to be biased, and he had to sit there and just, like, bite his lip because he couldn't say anything, but he was not happy because he said it on Sunday. And I'm like – I think Jeff Burton wanted to go down there and go and wreck Paul Menard himself because he's worked with Jeff – he knows Paul Menard. He probably wanted to dump him. But what I liked about the way Harrison handled it – is he's got a little bit of his dad, and he's got the fire of his Uncle Ward. And he was like, you know what, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to go and stand, stand my ground. His truck season has not been the greatest, and we're going to be talking about it on, on Wednesday, Wednesday that Kyle Busch Motorsports is up against it to try to make this, this playoff. But Harrison Burton, I think, is going to be working with an extra gear now that it's like you know what these like mid-range cup guys that I know that I'm better than, but because they're gonna try to prove a point, you know, make a big grandstand against me, I think he's gonna he's gonna be driving a little more anger, and it's and I I don't I think it's good, you know, he's a young kid, his mom freaks out. They have to go and show her every freaking time the way that she freaked out when Jeff was driving, now she freaks out when he drives. Like, the, the the reality is this. Harrison Burton's got the talent, got the skill, and frankly, the way he's driven in the Xfinity car, he's driven better than Brandon Jones. He's driven better than virtually every driver that's been in the 18 car that isn't named Kyle Busch this year. So even if people want to say that Harrison Burton has not done well in Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, the only people that have really done well in Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks are Kyle Busch and Greg Biffle. So the the reality is he's kind of stood up for himself, and I give him credit. And I and I like the kid. He handles himself well, and he had an honest uh, he had a good argument there, and that was the only interesting thing that happened on Saturday. Quite a, quite frankly, because that race sucked. Uh but you know, yeah. it is what it is. Chris Bell Chris Bell did what he usually does, but he has to go improve it, you know, on the bigger on the cookie cutter tracks. He has to be able to beat the double zero on a cookie cutter track and the two. And if he does then he might win a championship. But otherwise, you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, that's the really the story storyline to watch right now is the two, the double zero in the in a twenty on a mile and a half. You know, who's gonna be able to pull themselves through. Right now, Bell has five wins, Custer has five, and Tyler Reddick has three. Um, and they've really separated themselves from the rest of the field. And really, the other stories to watch is if somebody else can, you know, in these next few races, just be able to win the couple and, and be able to get to themselves to where they need to be to the playoffs. Uh, something else that happened, guys, unfortunately, on Sunday morning after the Xfinity Series race, Justin Haley finished in the 13th spot on Saturday his crew chief Nick Harrison was at the track, was perfectly fine. They actually took a picture with him and Chris Rice and Justin Haley at the racetrack and uh he passed away to sleep on Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, uh, at the age of thirty seven. So um a tough tough time for him. Tough time it's sad news for him and his family. We were thought, thinking about Nick Harrison and, and the Colic Racing team and uh Justin Haley and all those and Chris Rice and all the people over there in Colic Racing and, and friend the friends and family of Nick Harrison, who's been a long time crew chief at NASCAR. Uh, if you remember when he was, he was sort of the the lead guy over there at Phoenix Racing um, when Kurt Busch drove that car and when Landon Castle drove it and Bobby Labonte early in that those years. Um, he also was, you know, went from there uh, to Richard Childress Racing. He uh, led, helped lead a couple of wings for Kurt Busch um, in the Xfinity Series. He also. Led uh, Austin Dillon and Paul Menard to wins in the Xfinity Series as well five Xfinity Series wins. I uh, was doing a decent job this year with Justin Haley and College Racing, uh, but a a sad sad day for um, for Nick Harrison, unfortunately, and, and they haven't announced the crew who's going to take over that ride. But um, sad day for College Racing and Nick Harrison, and they and the, uh, one of the, I think one of the, the crew chiefs who, you know, when you think about the garage and, and you think about uh, crew chiefs who are really um, passionate about the sport and we're there, 20, we're really committed. Uh, he was certainly the guy. He was a racer through and through. And, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and the friends of Nick Harrison and Colleg Racing over there uh, as he passed away in his sleep. So um, real, real tough situation over there. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talk in the Circles tonight. We had a great show. I want to thank Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew for all your help so far. It's been a great year so far, and looking to continue. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. We'll see you guys next time here Wednesday night on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.